Lee Fields came up in the 1960s, did pretty well for himself, known as Little J.B. for James Brown because of his voice, his dancing abilities, and because he was just downright funky. When disco hit, he wanted to remain true to his art, so he quit the business for a few years. But he was part of the great soul music revival in the late 1990s, and he hasn't looked back since. He has a tight band he calls The Expressions, and they travel the world. He has a new album out called It Rains Love. He's deep. Meet Lee Fields. It rains love when I'm with you. It rains love when I'm with you. You're my son when clouds roll through. Well, Lee, welcome. Good Thanks to be for here. being here. Thank you so much for having me. I saw you last night. Oh yeah, man, it was you, fun. You turned it out. Well, you know, the people brought the brought the uh, the energy. I, what I, I'm just a catalyst. <laughs> I felt like it felt like you took them to church. Well, you know, it, the love was with the people, man, and and as I said, being a catalyst in that situation, it was. Um, it was a natural thing for, for for people to feel the joy that they that they felt, and yeah. um, and I and I felt it also. It was a much love in the room. It was it really was? Um, I, I know you got a you got a, a you released a new a new record this year. Oh yeah, uh, yeah the I, It Rains Love it al- rains album. Yeah, yeah and um, and it's and it's and it's still doing very well and yeah. it's being very well received and. Oh man, I'm so elated, so so happy, and and full of joy. I played it on my radio show last week. Thank you so much. Well, you're welcome. It was a pleasure. Um, and you know what? You know, they, they, there's an old there's an old cliche that says you know there's no second acts in 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 people's lives. But you 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 were you were there, and then you went away, and you came back, and you had this you've had this great run. Uh, you, you know what? I think. Everything is more or less preordained. I think things that are supposed to take place in people's lives, mm-hmm. the people are uh, be patient. Things that are for them will transpire. So um, I realized this years ago. So I was patient. I, I, it wasn't about. When is my turn? Is gonna come? Uh-huh. When when I'm gonna do this? It wasn't about me. It always been about us. Uh-huh. Because I feel like uh, God makes no uh, errors. And when it's a person's turn, uh-huh. it's a person's turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But how how long were you out 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 of out of the business? Well, really, I've never actually been out of business. You know, I, I, I figured you were going to say that. Well, well, I never was out of business. What I did was when my sister-in-law was, was slain by her husband, and he also committed suicide in the late 70s, around about 77, mm-hmm. of, I continued to sing but I was like baffled I was totally yeah uh, disenchanted with the uh, 
with things at large because mm-hmm. I was very much confused. And and everything that I turned to, it seemed like it was something. Music didn't give me the satisfaction that I was looking for. Huh. Um, and I was, as I said, I was very discontented. So I started to read the Bible. And mm-hmm. um, around 1980, I started to read the Bible. And I read it for like four years in, in its entirety. And what I did was, I read the King James uh, version with the uh, that was uh, uh, all the these and thousand in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the King James version uh, mm-hmm. uh, that was written in 1611 mm-hmm. by all of these uh, by the 50 scholars, and and what it did for me when I started to read all of these words, you know, here, therein, and all of this henceforth, and all of that. Mm-hmm. So it drove me to the dictionary uh-huh. and to find the etymology of these words so mm-hmm. that I would be able to better understand what the word meant at that time. Yeah. Because, you know, the word corruption itself is the changing of the language. Yeah. That being said, I read it took me about five years or, or a little more to, to complete it. And uh, and to feel within myself that mm-hmm. I had a pretty pretty good understanding of what things truly truly uh, was said in that great book, and that's what I started to find contentment. And I, at that time, uh, was a bit. Um, uh, skeptic mm-hmm. in, in regard to going back into music. I was rather skeptic re- regarding returning to music because um, by reading the book and those mm-hmm. um, words that we now call old English, it made me better understand contracts. You know, like... Really? Um, um, Contracts, most contracts that are very, um, um, most contracts that concerns great matters are written, especially in English, are written in old English Mm -hmm. because the language is less corrupt. Mm -hmm. So by understanding contracts, I I found that I could do all kinds of things. I was purchasing, excuse me, I was purchasing uh, real estate uh-huh. and things of that nature um, um, by understanding what the words uh-huh. really truly meant uh, it made it easy for me to acquire uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. you know properties so I was in real estate and I was doing pretty well was in New Jersey yeah in New Jersey yeah, yeah. because the, when you when you see like Wikipedia or some other things it doesn't deal with the, that that level of complexity about you getting out. It was basically they said, "Well, disco came in and yeah." But but this but you're, you're saying stuff that's much deeper than that. Well, for a while, I was rather reluctant to to um, to talk about um, actually personal things. Uh-huh. You know that 
portion of my life. I just disappeared for a while and I popped back up in the nineties. Yeah. But, but I'm, but I'm. <laughs> That's ex- never the case, though, you know. Yeah, but I'm explaining to people yeah. what actually took place. Uh huh. So, which is much more interesting yeah. than a simple change of musical yeah. styles. Now, music. You, is, you had to change a heart. Uh, what I used to tell people, which is the truth as well, uh, music had changed what I uh, returned. Uh-huh. Like, I had no intentions on returning to music, but I was going to acquire a property over in Newark uh-huh. that was uh, had three apartments on, above the storefront store, uh-huh. the storefront, and I was going to um, go into the eatery business. I was going to uh, open up a, a restaurant, uh-huh. uh, a fish restaurant where you can just fast food place where you mm-hmm. can come in and get your fish, uh-huh. a sandwich, and, and, and just leave. Because I saw this place in Plainfield, it looked like it looked like they was making a quite a bit of money uh-huh. uh, uh, doing that. So I was going to open up one. And I took my wife over, showed the place. And it has like three apartments and a storefront. And she looked at the place and she seemed to be uh, pondering something very deep. Mm-hmm. And she looked at me and she said, don't ask you something. What do you know about fish? <laughs> <laughs> I, said, I, th- I thought about it. You know, I said, well, it tastes good. And that's about the only thing that I could think of. That's that's what a wife is supposed to yeah. say, you know. And she said, "I think you should stick with what you know," uh-huh. and um, I think you should go back into music. And wow. I said, uh, "Hey, baby, music has changed. You know, everything is. You know, they got all of these computers and stuff out there today, and everything is like it's not like it used to be." She said, "Well, I think you should stick with what you know." And um, I could tell that if I would have. Uh, uh, been um, in disagreement with her, what she thought at the time. I, I knew that um, that we would have had some deep problems. Yeah. So yeah, I went and took. I took her advice. So I bought uh, a bunch of equipment from Sam Ash. I bought about twenty thousand dollars worth of equipment. <laughs> I bought a, a Yamaha C1 uh-huh. computer at the time. It's something like Pro Tools. Yeah. But at the time... Um, Are we talking about early 90s, late 80s, early 90s? Uh, this is, early this 90s. is like early 90s. Yeah. This is like 1990. Gotcha. And I bought a computer, and I bought... Uh, they had a, a program called Voyetra, mm-hmm. which works similar to Pro Tools. And I bought... Uh, a Tascam 8-track recorder. I mm-hmm. bought uh, two DAT machines. All of these things is I bought was because I, at the time, after reading the mm-hmm. Bible, I became an avid reader. Mm-hmm. So I was reading about what was necessary to uh, to do what I had in mind. I, what I wanted to do was record at home and use the equipment itself where I could take it out, uh, the speakers out, and, and be a DJ. Uh-huh. And um, um, and and used the the equipment itself to record because you know it was senseless to me to go to these studios at the time when my money was um, you know was I didn't have the uh, uh, money in abundance yeah you know 
So if I risk, whatever I risk, the money on it had to, hopefully it, it would pay off. So mm -hmm. I bought all of this equipment. Yeah. Then I got the equipment. I got it down in the basement, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> By the washing machine. <laughs> and um, it seems, according to reading, it, it, it wasn't, it wouldn't be that complicated. But I found it was much more complicated yeah. than I thought it would be. <laughs> so I'm down there about three weeks past and I'm up there's about $20,000 worth of equipment. No music is coming up. Oh. And so when my wife would come down periodically maybe to put the clothes in the washer, as the weeks progress, I could see her being a, uh, her, her <laughs> she, became, she became a little rest, a relent. Uh, a restless. Yes. And I uh, see a pat in her foot when she was putting her uh, putting the clothes. In you the don't want to see that, honey. Honey, listen. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna run out for a minute because <laughs> I do. Yeah. She. It was. We was about to get into it. Yes. You got all this equipment, and man, no music. What's up? So, and I asked my band members. I had a band prior to this, and when they came down and saw the all of the equipment, that I could tell it was a little jealousy. So they didn't want to help me. Huh. So I got all of this equipment and had all these big ideas of how I was going to do it and nothing is happening. But a friend, uh -huh. by the grace of God, a friend, his name was Lord, he came by uh -huh. and he was amazed at what I had because, uh -huh. he, you know, he's a keyboardist, man, and uh -huh. he saw all of this stuff. He's whole, you know, he was like a, he was like a kid in a candy store. <laughs> so he started hooking up the stuff and he was telling me, um, uh, this goes here and if you want to... Um, if you want to uh, uh, sync this with that, and that uh, the vocals with the Tascam recorder, you could do this, and and you use the Semptic code and all of this. Yeah. So once he got it hooked up, he's playing. He's having a good time. And so I got myself hooked up. Yeah. And it, and he taught me exactly the principles, how the principles mm -hmm. applied, and and uh, hooking up all of this stuff. So so. I play a little keyboard. So I started banging on the keyboard and cut a few tracks and I talked the guy, uh, a club owner in Newark, uh -huh. into letting me come over with just me and my equipment uh -huh. and play some records. And then I, I had enough tracks where I'd, I had recorded. Um, Did you I, sing on those tracks? Uh, well, these were like musical tracks. Okay, gotcha, where, gotcha. Where I, was, yeah. where I could do a live show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, he was kind of uh, hesitant in letting me come into the club without a band because they, everybody knew that I had a band. Right. So he decided to let me come in. So the first night, I guess we had maybe 40, 50 people mm -hmm. and, and uh, played the music. Then I would come up and sing to some tracks. I had a little show at about a 40-minute show uh -huh. of nothing but tracks. Oh, man, the people really enjoyed it. Well, yeah. Yeah, man. And I That's was, Lee Fields. And then, <laughs> yeah, and then I was, like, giving out recordings that I made in my basement. I was giving it to the people that was there. And the next week, the crowd doubled. And I kept on giving out the, 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 the tapes Mm -hmm. And um, and I would also in the show I had a guy that played records for me f before I sang. I had a DJ, I had a mm -hmm. guy that played the records, and I also he would play some of my music along with the rest rest of the music uh -huh. that he was playing. Uh -huh. 
And they were playing the songs and stuff. And one night, after I cut the song called Meet Me Tonight, uh-huh. he played that song and all of a sudden people, hey man, who that? <laughs> who that sang that song? I said, it's me. How much you charge for that? I said, charge? Because <laughs> I was giving the tapes. I was going to give it to him. Oh, man. I said, no, give me six hours. And all of a sudden, he reached in his pocket and gave me, and somebody else came. All the tapes that night, instead of giving them away, uh-huh. I sold all of the tapes. Wow. So I decided to buy a, a tape. Uh, uh-huh. um, Duplicator? Duplicators. Yeah. So I had, had these tape duplicators, man, and made up the tapes. <laughs> the next week, the club, you couldn't get in it. <laughs> and everybody wanted me to sing this song called Meet Me Tonight. Now, wait a minute. You were, were you surprised that people wanted to hear you sing? Oh, well, I wasn't surprised that people want to hear me sing, but okay. what I was surprised of was that song, uh-huh. how people just drew to that song. Uh-huh. Oh, man, I was saying that song, man, the ladies would just go crazy, man. They were like, <laughs> if I reached up and touched one of them, man, they'd fall out. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, as the weeks progressed, man, people started calling me from everywhere, and I couldn't duplicate the tapes fast enough, so I had to send out and get them made. And I, so I had tapes made and CDs, and yeah. And uh, the next thing I know, I'm singing around New York. Instead of Newark, I'm singing Jersey City, New York, uh-huh. uh, South Jersey. I'm getting calls now in the Carolinas huh? uh, because I had. Uh, the records I had them CDs made and mm-hmm. I, and distributors was calling so I was selling them to the distributors next thing I know I'm like all over the place I'm down in Mississippi um, <laughs> back in the game Alabama back um, in the game yeah I'm back in the game man yeah but I don't have a band but I'm just singing with tracks yeah, yeah. so here it is now I'm at this Coliseum opening up uh, Johnny Taylor oh um and the promoter told me, said, listen, where you band at? I said, uh, I don't have a band. I, it's in the contract. Man, I thought you had a band, man, like this, and you just can't come down there with this kind of mess. <laughs> John Taylor had about a, I guess, 12, 13-piece band or even more. Uh. And uh, I'm sitting up there, man. I'm going to walk on the stage by myself Yeah. with a track. Yeah. <laughs> the club, the, the um, uh, promoter said, listen, I'm going to tell you something. I sent you half your money in advance. And if you go out there and them people don't like you, they ain't going to pay you. I'm going to tell you that right now. Oh, boy. I'm at this Coliseum down in, in uh, what was this? Uh, I'm down in Alabama. It wasn't Birmingham. Uh-huh. It was Montgomery. Yeah. So I walked out on stage. <laughs> when I walked out on stage, when they introduced me, because everybody want to see this guy to sing this song called Meet Me Tonight. Yeah. So when I walked out on stage, they had about maybe eight, 9,000 folks in there. Or it's got, you can hear a pin drop, because <laughs> they didn't see no band. <laughs> I'm walking out on stage, and he hit the, uh, they hit the, the button on the dat machine. Tracks all playing, I saw it singing. People saw it getting a little loose. Uh-huh. People saw it getting a little loose. And when I got to the, point in the show where I was singing Meet Me Tonight oh man the audience went like totally <laughs> totally crazy yeah and that was the beginning of my return yeah to music yeah 
Yeah. And that was in like uh, the early 90s, maybe 91. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've been busy ever since. And it's just growing and growing and growing all over the world. It's amazing. Because, uh, yeah, you know, um, when this, they call it the soul revival or something, you know, but for me, it never went away you know, in, my, in my mind. Um, but I'm not trying to make a make a living at it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> it's a difference. Um, uh, it's just been it's just been amazing. I mean, I do a soul music show on the radio now. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, <laughs> and it's it's um, because and what is it? Is it is it? I, I, I'll tell you what I think. Okay. Okay. Soul music is inspiration. It's inspiration. It says the truth. Yeah. And it doesn't. And it says it in a good way. Yeah. And it inspires people. Yeah. And it's always been that way. Yeah. You see, soul music itself, you know, I think soul music came about when Sam Cooke yes. um, yeah. um, began the same secular music. Mm -hmm. So back in the day, when I, was, when I was a kid, you know, if you weren't singing gospel, they say you're singing for the devil. I know. And um, yeah. in actuality, in a many of cases, that could be. Uh, in a many of cases, if if a person doesn't, if a person isn't conscious as to what they say in music, then either you're promoting good things mm -hmm. or you're promoting bad things. Right. You know, like um, uh, if you're singing strictly for lust or strictly for things that we're told through the word, which is the Bible, that are not good for us, then it, that could be possible. Mm -hmm. So I'm very particular about what I say and how I say it. And because it's a very thin line of whether you are promoting what is good or what is bad. If you're promoting what is bad, then apparently you're working um, for, for the opposite agent. Yeah. Uh, but if you're promoting what is good for like, us. Like in your show last night, yeah. there was, a, uh, uh, there was a, a point in the show where the, 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 the house lights came up and you, and you asked people to, to talk to the person that they were, they were with. Yeah. And, and, and what did you tell them to say? I care about you. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's wonderful. But that is the whole concept of what I'm trying to do with with my direction with music. I believe that music has a high um, influence on the shaping of society. I believe what we it's just like what a person eat is what they. Um, uh, affects them. Mm -hmm. You know, if you mm -hmm. eat pretty good, chances are a person's health will be pretty good. Mm -hmm. And if you eat um, things that are not good for you too much, chances are your health won't be as good. Mm -hmm. So I believe we're what we hear. We become better people if we hear better things, or positive things, things that are good for us. And we become um, less better people mm -hmm. if we are constantly are surrounding 
surrounded by sounds and, and music that is telling us negative things. Because I do believe that music suggests and, and subliminally we are affected by uh, things. If we are, are hearing good things, we become better people subliminally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if we're hearing bad things, you know, get your gun. Right. Or, uh, 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 Ladies, you are nothing but, you know, uh, yeah. bad words. Gotcha. Well, I think subliminally, we are affected by that. So, Absolutely. So I like to say good things. Well, I'm glad to hear that because <laughs> we need good things these days. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I saw that, that, that you got on a bus when you were 17 and, and, and with $20 in your pocket and went to New York? With the New York man. My mama, no. I remember what I remember... Uh, emotionally about that experience, man. When I when I left on the bus and I saw my mother, she didn't want me to go. She tried to talk me out of it. You're seeing her in, in your mind right now, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, yeah. I was looking out the window and she was waving at me, uh-huh. and I saw her crying. Mm. Man, mm, mm, mm. it still affects me. Of course, today. of course. And then, but I got on the bus and I went to New York with twenty dollars. Man, I was so naive. I was just <laughs> like, I was. <laughs> Stevie Wonder, uh, when he said New York, just like I pictured. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Um, And and the person that invited me to come to New York, I didn't even call the person to tell them that I was coming. Oh, man. I just got on a bus, man, and went to New York. And the person didn't even know I was coming. I had his address. (laughs) And... Um, I asked people when I got off the uh, bus, uh, how do I get to Brooklyn? Some people said, you can take the train. Uh-huh. I ain't know nothing about no trains. Trains. Yeah, right. You know about those subways and stuff, man? Yeah. And you can take um, a taxi. Uh-huh. So I felt it was better for me to take a taxi. I didn't even ask the taxi how much he charged. Oh, I geez. thought Back in the day, man, I thought $20, you could do damn it, everything. <laughs> <laughs> I got to Brooklyn, and the and I paid the taxi. I had he gave me my change. I had two dollars left. Ah, here I am in Brooklyn, not knowing whether the gentleman gonna be there that invited me. Oh man! And then I started thinking, I hope he home. I'm going. I'm gonna do that. But at the time, I just felt like, you know, when you're 18, I was 17. Yeah. Uh, when you're 17 years old, and you uh, you really feel like, you know, ain't nothing gonna go wrong, right? And I rang the doorbell, and it took a little time from before uh, he came to the door. I was sort of wonder after about the third ring. <laughs> we had him sit all of these streets and stuff. Didn't know where I was. Two dollars in my pocket. But at the time, for some reason, I wasn't afraid. Well, right, because we didn't know any better. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he came to the door. When he saw me, man, his eyes got big as two fifty cent pieces. <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> I said, man, you told me to come up here. He said, that was, that was a month and a half ago. You should have called me. You should have called me. Why didn't you call? I said, well, yeah, well, I'm here. <laughs> 
<laughs> he said, come on in. He was cleaning up his apartment. He was getting ready. He was vacating the apartment. Oh, no. He was getting married. <laughs> oh, he was shit. getting married the next day. <laughs> and and um, he said, so where are you going to stay? I said, I'm staying with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I could tell, man, he wasn't pleased at all. No, I could uh, see that. <laughs> so he introduced me to the landlady. Uh-huh. And he explained the situation. Because the landlady knew he was leaving. Uh-huh. And um, he asked the landlady, could I stay there? And she said, I could stay there, but you, I have to get a job. Right. You know, of course, you know. So um, I agreed. He said he'd take me around to some places to see can they get me a job and all of that. So now I got my own apartment. <laughs> he, he just moved out, <laughs> and I just moved in. And so... He was uh, moving out and you were moving in. Yeah. I know that song. So <laughs> when he when he uh got married uh the next day at his reception I uh, met um a friend his name was Lonnie and he asked me and he was about my age I think he was about a year older than me. No, he was 2 years older than me. I was 17, he was uh-huh. 19. And he said, um, "What do you do?" I said, "I say Fred saw me talking to Lonnie. He said, don't, don't, don't mess with him, man. That he bad news. He was, you know, he was like, Lonnie stayed in trouble. Uh, and man, and Lonnie told me, said, you say? He said, uh, I said, yeah. He said, uh, after the reception, I take you to some clubs tonight. Huh? See how you say? And I, and it was right down my line, man. Uh-huh. And um, but Fred didn't want me hanging with Lonnie because Lonnie was very mischievous. Uh oh. And uh, so Lonnie took me to these clubs, one to, uh, two clubs that night. One club that night didn't have a band on that night, so we hung there for a little while and then we went to another club that had a band. And uh, he talked to the guys, and uh, the musicians, and told them that I sang. And uh, they, they uh, um, decided to let me come up and do a number. Mm-hmm. Told him the key. I did a James Brown song. Uh-huh. At the time, and I saw so singing. Man, the audience went like nuts. What song was it? Do you remember? I don't remember the song. Okay. All right. But I did a song and saw it singing and saw it dancing. People started throwing money on the floor. Oh. <laughs> and um, and uh, Lonnie. Did you get to the money before Lonnie did? No, no. Lonnie was picking up money. Yeah. Because I was more I sang, more I moved, man. The more money they were throwing on the floor. I had enough money to pay my rent for a few weeks in advance, and I had about twenty-eight dollars, <laughs> counting the two dollars that I had, about thirty dollars in my pocket. Thirty dollars in nineteen sixty-seven was yeah. a lot of money. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was good. Because most people work didn't make. Fifty dollars or right. seventy dollars a week. Right. right. So we went out uh, around the t- town, and I was, t- you know, you supposed to be eighteen to go get in a bar back then, but yeah. I told them I was eighteen. They weren't checking. Yeah. So we just had it. We were partied that night. Had enough money with my two dollars <laughs> to to live off of for the rest of the week. <laughs> and then after that, people started asking me uh-huh. the same different places. Cause that night we had. Oh man, can I get you to um, sing for me at blap, so and so and so, blah blah blah. So I saw the circuit around New York singing, 
and it never stopped from that point. Yeah? Never stopped. Man. You know, I know that um, a, a lot of times over, over, the, over the years, you've gotten compared to James Brown, okay? Yeah. When I saw you last night, I didn't see James Brown. I saw, I saw Lee Fields. Well, what it is, my, my uh, resemblance, uh-huh. and still to the day, my resemblance, man, even, I'm a know, I know his family, and um, even they, uh, some of them think <laughs> that uh, it's a striking thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, but uh, my resemblance is why people, uh, and then the voice is similar because James, I my James uh, style, I, um, uh-huh. my Sam Cooke style, yeah. I my Wilson Pickett. Yeah. So, in the beginning, since got a little Joe Tex style going, a little there Joe Tex, yeah. Uh, and since uh, I was getting always, oh man, you sound like James. You sound like James. You sound. <laughs> what I did was mixed all of them up. Yeah. So my style, who I am today, is um, a combination of Wilson Pickett, James Brown, Otis Redding. Joe Tex. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, you sound like Lee Fields to me. Yeah. That's who Lee Fields is. Lee, yeah. I think we all are. Sure. A course. combination of the people that influenced us. Absolutely. In our lives. Yeah. So yeah. these are the people Sam Cook, James Brown, Otis Redden, Wilson Pickett, O.V. Wright, uh, Holland Wolf, uh-huh. uh, uh, even. even uh, I also like to say that you know Willie Nelson was uh, admitted to the hospital the other day. Yeah, He's, I'm a. I like Willie Nelson. I like, I like um, Sting. I like the Beatles. I'm mm-hmm. a combination of mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. I, anything that I like, I incorporate it in what I do. Yeah, and I think that's that's what made me uh, who I am today, Lee Fields. And you sure dress clean on stage. Oh, thank you so much. My goodness, that, I, that I jacket it. last night was 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 sparkling. Yeah. Well, I give the credit to my dress. Uh, the way I dress is um, um, my wife, Christine. And Christine, <laughs> you know I love you. We've been together now for fifty years, and I'm planning on, I'm planning on going for fifty more. <laughs> you know, talking that's great. Talking about that. James Brown, at, at toward the, his his later years, his voice was gone. Yeah. Your voice is not gone, is it? Is, do you do anything to to, 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 to keep it in shape? Uh, yeah, what I do is don't abuse it. Yeah, you know, um, I think that's the main thing to keep a voice strong. Uh-huh. It's not abusing the voice. You know, uh, I don't I don't overdo anything. Uh, so, and I'm constantly, uh, if I have uh, a situation where I got a show and my voice isn't, uh-huh. you know, like after you sing so many shows, you you know, you weigh your voice to a point of where yeah. it needs rest. I try not to push it in a show at the beginning. I would take it very easy in the beginning mm-hmm. until it opens up. Uh-huh. Because I think when you go against... Uh, your vocal cords opening up 
at the right time, uh-huh. I think you, you cause damage. Yeah. So I think yeah. that's what yeah. has uh, preserved yeah. my, my voice. But you have a heavy schedule. Uh, yeah, but what I do, I get plenty of rest when I, uh-huh. the, when the musician side of me, the entertainer, the guy with the outfit on, the sparkling jacket, uh-huh. when the show is over, when I fold that jacket up, that guy <laughs> is in the suitcase. You know what I mean? Because if I stayed him, yeah, there's no yeah. telling what I'm liable to do. He'd get me in trouble. He'd get me in trouble. <laughs> so what I do, I fold him up, man, put him in the suitcase, and lock it fast. <laughs> and then I become um, the lead fields that um regular guy yeah you know the show yeah. guy is he's, he's not around <laughs> he's in the suitcase trying to get out <laughs> well when, one thing when you see the suitcase got a moon around him <laughs> he's trying to get he's out trying to get out, let me out and here. if i let him out man he had me in so much trouble <laughs> <laughs> well one of the things we like to do on this on this show uh, every week is um because it's called on the one right yeah and and the first time I ever heard that, I interviewed, this is a long, long, long time ago. I was, I was interviewing James Brown. Yeah. And I said, Mr. Brown, because I had called him Mr. Brown, right? Yeah. Um, what is it that you do that makes people lose their minds? <laughs> you know? He just looked at me and said, I kick off on the one and let the boogie do the rest. Yeah. So everybody talks about the one. What is, to you, what is the one? The one is where everybody know in the band uh-huh. a way the emphasis comes in. Uh-huh. Boom. Uh-huh. And then everything can groove for a while, do what they do. Boom. That the one comes in at a certain time. Uh-huh. But I believe in the zero. Oh. I believe in the zero because I think it's too much emphasis on the one. Is that right? Yeah, because everything had to have come from nothing. <laughs> You know, see, if I stay with the one, which the one is very important, then I'm going to be right with everybody. Uh-huh. But if I'm going to uh, try to break the circle, mm-hmm. then I have to go to the zero. Huh. I have to go to the zero to look at the one, to examine the one, <laughs> to, so I can see what can be done to make the one more intense. Huh. So it's about the zero. It's about the zero because all numbers, when I was in school, they taught zero. Uh-huh. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, with another zero. Uh-huh. And, all, and, it, and, and it continues. Uh-huh. Um, but the zero is all the way there regardless how long the number goes. The zero is where everything started from. Uh-huh. Everything started from nothing. And you know, by, by and nothing, no thing. No thing, uh-huh. not when we think of nothing. We we say, man, oh wow, uh-huh. oh man, that's not important. That's the most important thing. Uh-huh. That's the most important entity. Is nothing because then we can take a look at all things. Uh-huh. You know, but if we go from the one, and we are part of the one, and just go from the one, the one, the one, we we are constantly locked in the box. Uh-huh. So they're looking at the zero. We're thinking out of the box. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Whatever you say, Lee Fields. No, but, 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 <laughs> see, it's just like where we are. Yeah. On this in this earthly uh, existence, the zero or the nothingness, the non-matter, mm-hmm. which everything is encased in space. All of that is God. God is space. God is non-matter. Mm-hmm. Matter is within God. You know, like, God is the encasement of all things because God is all possibilities. All things are possible with God. Mm-hmm. So therefore, things are encased in God. God is space. God is possibilities. And this space is nothing. All of the space that's possible, something can be there. Mm-hmm. So as far as to a to infinity, God is there, which is space. Uh-huh. But space is filled with possibilities of what can be there. Right. So God is all in all. All right. So I saw it from the zero. All right. Okay. <laughs> well, kick off on the zero then. <laughs> kick off on the zero. <laughs> but well, we kick but, off, we kick off on the one. Yeah. Because the zero is possibilities, uh-huh. and um, unless there is. Or something to execute, mm-hmm. or something to 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 put in motion. Mm-hmm. You got to have things to put in motion. But the zero is possibility. What I'm gonna do with this thing? Yeah. What I'm gonna do with it? You mm-hmm. know. What I'm mm-hmm. So I'm in the mm-hmm. zero zone. Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> well, you're going to Europe, aren't you? Oh yeah. That's great. That's just that's amazing. I just you know. Uh, this should be a lot of admiration for Lee Fields because you you are out there, you're kicking it every night. The people love you. Well, it, it's so it's funny how things turn out, you know. But well, you know what? But but it, to me, man, it ain't about Lee. It's uh, about me, the band, yeah, uh, and the people. Uh, I'm 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 just the the. Um, uh, what would they call it? The uh, catalyst. Yeah, I'm just the catalyst of of the night. Um, the people, the band, and everything around. Only thing I need to do is just see opportunities of where things could be put in motion. Uh-huh. So what I do, I I um, do the least by putting things in motion and the people do the rest. You can say that, but you're the man when you're up there. There's no question about that. Oh, wow. There's uh, no question about that. No, there's, there's, well, that's, 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 that's not up for discussion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Thank you for that compliment, but I think it's... Um, I, I'd rather say it. All right. This, I'm just a callous. Okay. Well, listen, Lee Fields, thank you so much for being on the one here. I appreciate your, your, your time.